You are listening to Constructing Education in a Digital World with Paul Stephen Jennings and Tom Rodone. We have our first guest. It's very exciting. Tom and I have invited David Thiessen, the uh, head of IT for Podcast English School in Qatar, to come and have a chat about what's happening in the world of education and technology um, through this uh, COVID period, as well as what preparation he had done um, to prepare for it. So, David, welcome. How good afternoon. Doing, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, David, we're going to jump straight in, and I know that you and I have been working in, in, in with your technology and podcast for quite some time, mm-hmm. um, and and we, we talked many, many years ago about what can be done to, to digitize education and, and how it's being delivered to your students. Can you run us through a little bit over the last three, four years? What, what you've been doing in, in your school to bring Parkhouse English School into the digital world? One thing about it is, I've, as you heard from my job title, Director of IT, one of the things I did quite recently was ask nicely if I could change it to say Director of IT and uh, Digital Learning, because as much as I'm not uh, completely useless with the tech side of things, I'm not a, I'm not a real techie. And so that side of things is something that, you know, people automatically just presume maybe I did have the knowledge and I don't. Where I was really coming from was that side of how can we use technology to improve education? So that was where obviously speaking to the likes of you would come in. And obviously we bashed heads together on, you know, my ideas and what we could do to improve uh, teaching and learning with what budget was available and the the current infrastructure in Parkhouse. And so that's something obviously myself and yourself, not so much more recently, but very much at the beginning, we were working out for, and we have been working out for a number of years now. As I recall, you you work quite closely with Microsoft as well. I believe that you've uh, featured on a couple of their uh, sort of publications that they've done, and, and you've done some quite a lot of work with Microsoft Education, a few presentations. Exactly. That's kind of where I go back to this whole idea about that I had a blank canvas, you know. Um, but I did my research. I went to a number of different schools across the country um, to kind of get their ideas on what was the ecosystem they were using. Were they using Google? Were they using Google for Classroom? Were they using Apple? Or were they using Microsoft? So knowing that I kind of had a preference for Windows, obviously, um, and that that was the kind of route I went down. And it's kind of been that way. I've always had this silly attitude that, yes, Google Google's great. It's very easy to use. Apple has its niche as well. But the one thing I've always had this ability of still now is that, and you can kind of prove in what we're doing right now, is that when boys and girls go out into the big bad world, into the offices, they still end up using Microsoft. So that was my attitude. We should be teaching them with Microsoft tools. So I've, I've, I've built yeah, a really strong relationship with Microsoft over the years. I've uh, talked at presentations. They've uh, just most recently an Edu Day last November where I um, kind of celebrated the success of Microsoft Teams in Parkhouse. Strangely, not knowing what was about to happen. So, um, yeah, I was there uh, about six months ago showing how well we've used it in the school. And it's amazing how now it's, you know, we, we talk about what's happened today and how I'm really grateful for where we were at that point to make this transition to um, remote and digital learning um, so much easier. Dave, in the uh, last few years, while you've been uh, the IT director, uh, what are the changes that you've made to bring uh, everything uh, to where it was at the point of that presentation, to the point of you being ready for this enforced digital transformation we've all gone through? Uh, what have you done? What have you implemented? And what systems have you changed? I'll be honest with you. When I first went into this, I didn't know an awful lot about Office 365. I knew about Microsoft Word. Of course I did. I knew about Microsoft Excel. I used to teach them. But the point being is I didn't really know much about what Microsoft offered. 
first one really was to introduce Office 365 to the school. You know, we, we um, brought in a new email system with that. And then one of the big things that came along at the time was, was Teams. I took a gamble on Teams. Um, I introduced it into the school as a way to um, inst- almost like a, a Google for Classroom equivalent. At that time, um, it was, you know, being used, being promoted to be out in the business world as well. But, you know, as it more and more went on, Microsoft Education said, you know what, this could be really good. This could be the Google for Classroom equivalent. You know, you could have it on your mobile phone, you could have it on your laptop at home or your desktop at home. But it allowed that ability to collaborate with them, um, with between students and teachers straight away, away from the classroom. And it then allowed them to send them resources, send them content, um, send them assignments, you know, return homeworks. So that was really where it got started. And uh, it's kind of grown from there because the next thing, obviously, that was after that was was using OneNote. I can't imagine a day now of not using OneNote. It's a it's an unbelievable tool that we use. And it, it in an essence, should replace that old-fashioned exercise book one day in almost every classroom. Not not completely, but, I've got my, I, I, but I have my ideas on how to do that as well. We will definitely dig into the future of of the education sector. And that is one of the key things about that we want to cover in this podcast. David, how did how did you manage to get how did you manage to get this rolled out in your school? I'm sure there are a lot of um, organizations out there struggling to get teachers on board and will get 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 people to buy into it and actually use the tools, these digital tools. Uh, how did you manage to get that going in Parkhouse? Um, slowly. It was slow. Um, it's amazing. I would say that if we could look at the usage today compared to maybe even six months ago, it will have gone through the roof again for obvious reasons. But it was it was slow. It, it's not a difficult tool to use. And it's like everything you've got. to. It, you, you need people to sell it. You know, one of the things I learned quite early in a CPD when I was doing this sort of thing is I, you know, even though I said I'm not techie, you know, I'm, I'm good with technology. And that can be sometimes the barrier when you're trying to convince others to use it because they go, oh, but Dave, you, 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 you use this all the time. You know how to do this. This is easy for you. So you've really got to influence a percentage of the staff who um, aren't obviously techie. They enjoy using technology. They massively see the benefits of technology, but you know it's not their niche because then they go, oh, you know what? If they can do it and they're seeing the benefits of it, so can I. Dave, you were just running us through a process that Paul and I have discussed uh, of bringing along percentages and smaller groups of your staff. Have you found that the children and the students have ever pushed back on any of the the things that you've been implementing? And one of the things I was also told uh, a long time ago in a CPD was you have to embrace that the students may or probably will know more than you or pick it up before you. If you can embrace that as a teacher, you'll come a long way. The kid, you know, you know yourself, kids love to show off. And one of the things we've done in Parkhouse, and again, not a, a rocket science idea, it's been something, again, doing my research, is we have digital leaders in our school. We have a group of, um, you know, six formers who are there to, to help. They're there to help other students. They're there to help other teachers. The, the teachers who the teachers that um, embrace that are the ones that come further. But yes, you do get some resistance. There's no denying that. The interesting thing about that resistance is that's had to go out the window come March. And I, I, I know a handful of teachers in our school who've done really, really, really well out of this. You know, I think that Parkhouse has been an absolute success story when it comes to what's happened. And is, I mean, with this coronavirus uh, situation, and, and uh, as you said, a lot of teachers being thrown into the deep end, is there anything you feel that you've been missing? Anything that you would 
you know, assuming money was no object and, and you could have it in place. I've had a dream for a long time about having a one-to-one system at Parkhouse. Um, I'm fully aware why we don't. It's a big step for a number of reasons. Um, you know, again, without naming other schools, I've, some, I've seen some schools do it really, really, really well. Really um, well. Dave, Dave, I'm sorry to interrupt. Could you tell me what a one-to-one system is? One-to-one is basically when you have this, every teacher and every student has their own mobile device. If I was to choose, it would be the Microsoft Surface Pro, but it doesn't have to be. Obviously, the specs um, depend on you. But, you know, you, 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 you look at the international school market now. There's a number of schools out there that have this system where, you know, the kids come into their classroom and whether or not it's used every single minute, it is the ability to be there to be used, whether it's, you know, the school of MacBooks, a school of Chromebooks, a school of iPads, or as I said, a school of um, Windows devices, which I would obviously, I said I would choose the, the Surface Pro. And it's there to be used as a tool to, to um, improve teaching and learning. It, one of the things I've been grateful for at Parkhouse because of barriers in my way is that I feel every step we've taken, we've done pretty well and cleverly because, you know, maybe because of budget or maybe because of manpower or time. We've had to be we, we've been been able to be clever about it and do our research and take our time. Yeah, I suppose this would have been a lot easier if Parkhouse had been in that position. We are very fortunate that obviously, you know, the majority of our um, teachers, the majority of our students, the majority of our parents will have the tech at home to allow this to take place. But that has not been a guarantee. I've had teachers who have asked for devices to help them. And obviously we have students who will make um, reasons not to be able to do the work because they don't have uh, a device as well. So that would have been the first thing. So uh, this is a discussion that uh, Tom and I had last week was how this will be rolled out in in a third world environment. Uh, It's not really applicable in the Middle East and certainly not in in the affluent societies that we live in at the moment. But Mm. as a South African, uh, this is a major challenge uh, for my children who are being educated in South Africa, they are fortunate to have all the devices and and internet access, but the majority, if not probably two-thirds of their classmates don't. So it's a real challenge from a global perspective, uh, which we probably need to get into, and it almost requires a separate podcast. But it, 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 yeah. it, it certainly would, and, I, and I'm not sure how we go about mitigating that in an environment like this. It, it's a very, very difficult challenge uh, for the world of education. Yeah. I'd like to just talk about the technology in the classroom. You've mentioned devices, um, having every a device in the hand of every child, whatever that device may be. And I think we, we can all clearly understand the value behind that. But what about additional technology? I mean, do you do you, do we need smart boards? Do we need do we see a future of virtual reality headsets in the hands of, of every child or kits that move around between classrooms? Is there going to be more technology being incorporated into the future of education, even in the classroom? You know, one of the things I would say that and we mo- will come more and more as the generations of teachers come along, more and more teachers will see and find these ideas. That's still it's still something that, you know, um, it's still just a handful of people who are finding these ideas and bringing them to the table. And the most important thing isn't necessarily, oh, it must be VR and it must be AR. Does it engage the kids? You know, is what you're trying to teach them now become more engaging? And you need to kind of step back and say, what's it you want first and foremost? The screen, the, the screens, the screens is an interesting one, which is why I brought up Bet. Obviously, when I was at Bet, every man and his dog who were making screens were at Bet. And to me, the screen is great um, because of its longevity, I would say, because of the, its lifespan, how long it will last compared to the, that uh, projector hanging from the roof. 
but it doesn't need to be a screen in my opinion one of the things i think is most important and it comes back to my um idea with the surface is if we can tether the, the teacher away from the desk and away from the whiteboard or the screen or the projector and have them moving around the room what does it matter what's up on the screen you know they could be doing something on their surface that goes straight to their devices they could be doing something on their device that goes straight to the projector or onto the wall or straight onto the interactive whiteboard i think that's where i think things need to to change just to have that the ability to move about the room so david what you're saying here is that actually uh, the technology doesn't matter it's engaging teachers is more important than anything else the whole point of technology is there to be a tool so to, to to me you know there's three things with the technology for me it's about teaching um the kids the skills they need for the the 21st century the other one is finding ways to engage them to new ways to learn and it's also ways for people to work smarter you know use technology to get things done quicker or to get the things done better you know one of the things we still have to be very careful of is we're still in a world where kids are 16 and they go into an auditorium and they write with a pen and paper and we have to be careful not to lose these skills Dave, this is something that people bring up all the time um, as someone who's never taught and has no plans to go into the classroom. The idea of giving everybody a digital device to me appeals and I can see the benefit of that, the future and, and how that is the way we are going in everything that we do. And then everybody always says, oh, but what about the exams? The exams are, are written exams and they're, they're the most important part of the of the education, if you like. And uh, surely it's time for the exams to catch up with the rest well, of the world. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. But again, that comes down to money and comes down to budget, Tom. And that's where maybe we aren't at that point yet. There is no denying it's out there. The ability to do it is out there. And there is even talks of certain schools in talks with the exam boards to allow that to happen. And what we've got to be careful of is that we, again, kind of said this already, the technology is a tool, but let's not use it to replace. And one of the really, really good things I've seen, instead of having an exercise book for every uh, every subject, you had one exercise book in your bag. And then the independence of the child, they said, right, I'm going to do this task, either because my battery's run out or because my computer's not working or because I just want to. I'm going to do this in, uh, in the exercise book. But my, the responsibility is then on me to ensure that there is a copy taken and put into my OneNote. And then the teacher has that copy and you also have an electronic copy and it's not scrambled in the bottom of your bag, which unfortunately does happen with a lot of uh, school bags. And I thought that was a really, really clever way of doing it. You're giving the choice to the, the child, but you're also then avoiding a completely paperless solution. Uh, are, we, are we possibly heading for a world where we don't need to write anymore? I mean, well, is that is that something that may happen in the future? We well, when was the last it, time you wrote? I've got a page of notes here that I wrote for the last podcast we did, handwritten. Why did you, why did looks, you not use one note? Because I I wanted to write it. My my children have to write. I come from a very old fashioned and conservative society in South Africa, so they they learn in cursive from the age of of eight years old. They have to learn how to write in cursive. So they it's an absolute you know, must, and it's part of the curriculum, being able to write in cursive, and they were marked on it. But I, I, can, I can foresee a future where we just don't need to write anymore. We will have digital signatures, and we will do everything on a laptop or a tablet or a mobile phone. We mm -hmm. just don't need to write, and it is a skill that we'll eventually lose. Yeah, and on that, that's where, again, I'm, I, I do try to stay on the fence as much as possible because, you know, 
we do need to be careful of that. I'm not one. I, I think it will come. I do agree. With you. I think it will come, but it doesn't. It's we're not ready for it yet. And again, that's where a device where it does allow you to scribe is something I would always um, I would always promote. Dave, you, uh, um, I, I want to take you away from the classroom for a moment and talk about school management systems. Uh, I um, come from the school of thought that digitizing the business of schools is relatively easy, but digitizing the education of schools is something for the real experts like yourself. Can you tell us what school management system you use at Parkhouse and what problems you have with it and what changes you'd make to it, if any? Um, yeah, we use... Um... Uh, engaged by Double First. We've been using it for a number of years and it's actually is the school management system of choice for all the ISP schools. Where I think we could be better as a school is in how we use the data that is entered into the school management system. Um, but I think that's, you know, would be for a lot of schools as well. And I think that it's one of these roles that I think more and more schools need to look at is a, a management uh, school management expert who can then really, their day-to-day -day job is to work with the with the system. It can get untidy very quickly. Whereas if we had someone who's, you know, that was their role, instead of it just being more of an administration role, it was a, you know, a, the profession was to be the, a system specialist in a sense. They could look at a lot of systems. Would you like to see the structure of um, IT staffing changed at all? If you had the budget, yes. If you had the budget, I might I maybe if I had the budget, I'd maybe talk myself out of my job. You yeah, some sort of digital system specialist. It's almost streamlining, stripping back and going, right, what's what core systems do we need and why do we need them? And having someone who's very, very well trained on them all to make sure they're working efficiently within the school. They would work hand in hand with the with the IT technicians, but they would also work hand in hand with um who you would maybe have as your digital learning experts. They're them being the people who would decide, um, right, we need to be doing this in the classroom. What do you recommend? And obviously that would be then the job of the digital system specialist to go and have a look. But working as a team, not just bringing things in for the sake of it, but that person would be there at the back ensuring that, you know, there's it's streamlined in the way we use it and making it very, very easy and automated. I couldn't agree more. This is something that Tom and I talked about is over, over subscribing to technology, right, where it's not necessary. I think it's absolutely, I mean, it's fundamentally important for somebody in the position that you're in to be able to look at the tools that you have and the tools that you actually need to, to do your job and to deliver the education. Because at the end of the day, that's your function, right? That is yeah. the job of the school is to deliver an education to the children. Well, you one of the things, and it sounds silly, and this, again, this will be a conversation, it will be interesting to have this conversation in 10 years' time, is you asked about how, how about teachers and teachers embracing it. You give them too much, they'll start to get scared. You know, I, I, I know teachers who struggle with having to have more than one password. To me, it's about finding ways to simplify it. Well, I think that's where consultants are to blame, I'm afraid. Or actually salespeople, people that are selling these software systems, they're not going in as a consultant. They're not going to, to you as an IT director with a school to run and saying to you, what have you got? Right? You run Office 365. You run OneNote, you run these systems, what can we provide you with that will integrate into these systems rather than giving you an additional system that you then need to manage? A genuine consultant is going to go look at your systems holistically and design a solution and provide you with a service or a system that will integrate with your existing solutions and that is fit for purpose. So finding a solution that ties up with a single sign-on 
provided by Office 365 would be ideal. The, the the market is saturated right now. There's no denying that the market is saturated. And if you if you think back to you know, the, you know, I had a blank canvas at Parkhouse in terms of systems. I I have an idea of what I would do, um, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't be open to other ideas. Why? Because it's forever changing. It's forever, changing. and that's one of the things that you know people do find difficult as well. Is that you know I think people that um people that are good with technology have that level of flexibility. To be able to do that and i think people that have embraced this digital learning have that skill dave i think um that's an an excellent place for us to call time on today's chat we've got a huge amount of information that we've managed to get in there i think there's a couple of points for me that really stand out of what you said right back at the beginning you said the most important thing to you is how we can use technology to improve education and i think that comes through in everything that you've said you know teaching kids new uh, skills engaging them in their learning and working smarter as being the three core things that you use technology for in your school is what's come through in everything that you're doing. We've worked with you and Paul has worked with you for a number of years um, and we both uh, admire what you're doing. We think what you're doing at Parkhouse is, is excellent. Uh, and so we look forward to seeing you very soon. Thank you for listening to Constructing Education in a Digital World. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode soon.